Welcome to Acute Conversations, the official podcast of APTA Acute Care, where we share engaging conversations about acute care physical therapy so you can connect to your profession. I'm Ashley. And I'm Leo. Today we chat with this year's Acute Care Lectureship Award winner, Alan Lee. He is a professor at Mount St. Mary's University in Los Angeles. Dr. Lee maintains clinical practice at Scripps Mercy Hospital, a level one trauma center in San Diego, with dual board certifications in geriatrics and wound care. We're going to discuss his acute care lecture award, telehealth, and the famous K-pop singer related to Alan. Let's welcome our guest. All right, Alan, thanks again for being here. Why don't we start off with you telling us or talking about the award that you won at CSM in San Diego this year, San Diego 2023. Well, thank you, Leo and Ashley, for inviting me to speak with you in this podcast. And I was very honored to be the 13th recipient for the Acute Care Lectureship Award. And so this comes on before the business meeting or the membership meeting at CSM. And this, you know, our CSM was in San Diego. And, and again, I provided that lectureship presentation for about 45 minutes or so prior to the good times all of our members get to have at CSM. Right. Well, congratulations to you. I mean, that's kind of a big deal. You're making it just seem like, oh, I just got this little award and I just did 45 minutes. But no, it was, I was there. It was amazing. And I was so excited for you. So I think you had like three main topics that you talked about in that, right? Like telehealth, DEI, and just excellence. So for our audience, maybe who who wasn't there or couldn't come, can you just highlight a few of those for us and kind of your major points of your lecture or speech, as I like to call it? Sure, definitely. Thank you, Ashley. So when I was looking at this lectureship, which happens, you know, the, the, the announcement of the lectureship comes during the business meeting at CSM for our academy. And so it took me about a year to kind of formulate an idea around these topics that you had just mentioned. You know, previous awardees, obviously, this, I was the 13th, so I looked over the 12 other awardees. Lucky number 13. Right, right. <laughs> well, I mean, even with the pandemic, right, we, had a, we did give, that, give out this award. And, you know, topics from the original award, Dr. James Dunleavy, he spoke, spoke about societal needs and value. From there, autonomy was another topic that was addressed by Mary Snap, and even technology and practice by Sharon Gorman. Ownership by Jen Ryan, how we should own our practice. Really excellence in terms of ICU care and critical care by Chris Permey. Transformative Transforming success was by Ellen Walby and strength and mobility with Dr. Richard Bohannon. Movement mattering and matters, and we matter as an academy, but also as PTs in acute care by Yvette Sanders. Advocacy by Jim Smith. The pandemic, which was again addressed, you know, as well as development of high quality practitioners by Dr. Otaki, Patricia Otaki. And being adaptive and being fearless around culture and leadership by Dr. Kristen Greenwall, who was the previous ORE before me. I know there's a lot there, but what I thought those other three topics, including telehealth, DEI, and excellence in our academy and our profession, where we as our members and our membership could thrive in and also have opportunities in is, is where I thought the lecture could focus on. And hopefully I provided some insight towards where, where, you know, our academy and acute care is working towards. 
You know what's so funny is that I remember in San Antonio, what is that, 2022 CSM, that's when you that's when it was announced that you were going to be the, the recipient of the award. And uh, how far we've come in terms of telehealth and seeing how uh, technology has changed. Now, you're actually an early proponent of utilizing telehealth because that's what you spoke about in your lecture. Can you talk about how far we've come from back then and how it's evolved with the technology compared to what we're able to do now? Definitely, definitely. I mean, just briefly, I mean, I'm sure all of us had some form of technology or telehealth or within even academies. We, you know, had to teach with, with Zoom or other, you know, secure portals with our students. Even in research, I've seen studies come out around telehealth. Well, so it's not just because of the pandemic. It had been happening in our profession and in telemedicine since, you know, early 60s and 70s. And it really took off in medicine during the 70s and 80s where the PC computer came on board. And for physical therapists, for being hands-on profession, we kind of watched the evidence develop in early 90s where we were able to kind of do some remote monitoring of patients through cardiac, you know, EKGs and other monitors to track exercise tolerance. And then really early adopters like the VA and the Indian Health Services in 2000 were really getting into telehealth physical therapy. And I just happened to be one of those early adapters, I believe, uh, being involved with the research as a research moderator at the VA in West LA, where I watched older veterans being monitored by this really little device called a health buddy back then. And they would actually have to connect it to the modem at home. So, you know, that noise is almost like the fax machine coming through. Oh, I remember that. I used to have like AOL and that would be You remember that? And it would make that noise? Yes. So these veterans would look at this little device and connect it and they could remotely be, you know, supervised by PTs on the other end about their exercise tolerance. So again, this is way before smartphones, right? And so in 2006 is when I first got introduced to telehealth PT. And from there, I thought, you know, we should have a seat at the table with medicine and nursing and, and slowly help APTA develop some, you know, some what I call toolkits around telehealth, educational, you know, certificate programs recently with the pandemic, and even currently being really involved with some clinical practice guideline development around tele-rehab with international PTs and physios is something that um, I have been involved with. But again, this is not overnight an opportunity, but it's been developing over like decades. I'd like to say you were in telehealth before telehealth was considered cool, right? Yeah. Like I feel like now so many people are doing it and it's become just this big thing, but I think you've been doing it for so long before other people even knew like what it was or how to do it or under what platform to do it. So that's really great. It's great that we have you as a resource and an innovator in that area. Now, Alan, I also remember, wasn't there a debate? Wasn't there an Oxford debate where you were, you had to discuss <gasps> yes. telehealth? That was the first oh, time I met you. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, for some of the listeners and, and the viewers, the, the ELC conference for the educators, where there actually is an Oxford debate, similar to what APTA used to do when they had the next, the next conference during the summer session. And so there was a pro and a con team in telehealth. And obviously, I happened to be in the pro team with a couple <laughs> of our colleagues. And then the con team, there was obviously with Nancy Kirsch and others really debating prior to the pandemic about telehealth evidence, telehealth practice, telehealth research. And I, I think at the end of the day, we were all on the same page. I can say I lost to Nancy and the team being pro telehealth. We wanted more 
opportunities for PT educators, researchers, and practitioners to get engaged in. And then all of a sudden the pandemic happened and it just it was like we were building the plane as it was being flown. So there we are. Yeah, people were forced into it. I remember that because when Alan comes in to Duke and teaches some of our Integ course. And I, when I first started my job at Duke in academia, they were like, okay, you're going to course direct the Integ course. And I was like, I'm going to what? Cause I don't know anything about that. And he was, and they're like, no, 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 don't worry. We have someone that come and does all the teaching. And so at ELC was the first time I was like, hi, Alan, I'm Ashley. You're going to be teaching my course essentially. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but Ashley. Alan, you you are definitely not just you know i would say somebody on the sidelines you definitely got me engaged and involved with the the course and the students so thank you for that but you're too nice alan is amazing the students love him and he's a duke alum and duke? he's probably not going to share this but he won our duke a distinguished alumni award a few years back i seem to remember as well yeah, I'm. You know, it wasn't back to back. Just like some of the Duke. You know, we're in March Madness this weekend, so I mean, some of the listeners, whenever you get this podcast, we're we're all excited about that and some new teams being in there. But uh, you know, I've had some really great experiences beyond and with at Duke, and just what I can tell you is this idea about back to Tallahassee. It, it formulated with me, and I'm sure many of the listeners, just with the curiosity, right? Just that knowing that PT as a profession, as I was taught in my you know foundational PT courses at, at Duke and others, that we need to be out there advocating and being involved and ultimately helping our patients and our society. And that was the reason and the motivation why, you know, I, I guess I was an early adapter, but it, it was never done alone. It stands on many shoulders, and even during the pandemic. Some of others in acute care, like Brian Hall and others who actually were doing telehealth in acute care setting, doing teleconferencing and consulting in the ICUs. So there is an opportunity there for us that I think we can tap into and we can talk about excellence down the road. But to me, I mean, you might just, as you're listening, you might silo telehealth and maybe outpatient PT practice or other settings. But even as an acute care PT, you have a role. And you just have to kind of understand that. You know, my first experience with telehealth, not PT related, but it's going to lead me to a PT question. My mom was in the hospital and she had had a stroke and she lives in a small town and they did not even have a single neurologist on staff there. So they ended up teleconferencing and a neurologist to do kind of a, a neurological examination on her. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is crazy, but it worked so well. And it's amazing all the things you can do remotely you know, just from asking a patient to do this or do that or demonstrate. But it makes me think like the opportunity exists. Let's say there's a patient who needs physical therapy in a hospital, a remote rural location, and maybe they don't have some of those niche specialties, right? Like a vestibular person or, you know, just somebody who requires a bit more specialized care than a generalist PT can provide. I can imagine that almost being a possibility, right? Like, what do you think about that, Alan? Or am I just far out there with it? No, 100%, Ashley. I mean, like that was you were seeing that neurologists or the intensivists, you know, do that teleconsultation. I mean, you're never doing this alone, as I mentioned, you know. So on one end, you have a specialist. and the other end, you have maybe a generalist or somebody helping that patient or client. So you can, you know, with some amount of, you know, hopefully safety, right, and security, that you can do these teleconsultations between a specialist and a generalist. 
And so if you think about practices in acute care, like wound management, vestibular, pelvic health, these are areas where you really know that that specialist could really assist not only the patient and client, but really provide that right care at the right time for that right type of patient. We just have to kind of start thinking about how we, you know, I think it's going to lead into some excellence questions about acute care specialization, as you heard in the past podcast, that we need to also kind of think about using technology and specialize around that as well. Yeah, it really opened my eyes up, I will say, with that one experience with my mom. Are you a DPT or PTA student that has had an interesting or challenging clinical experience within acute care? Or did an acute care internship change your future professional goals? We'd love to talk about your experiences in a future episode. Click on the link in the show notes if you'd like to be a future guest on the podcast. I want to go back though. Tell us what got you into acute care in the first place. Like what made you interested in say, I want to do acute care. Yeah. I I mean, for most of us on this call, I'm sure there's like some personal or some type of professional experience that drawn you towards it. I guess, you know, for me, it's always been about personal and professional experiences and, and, you know, as a volunteer and then eventually as a PT tech, when I was doing my undergrad training, I was, you know, I had the opportunity to work in a level one trauma center in Las Vegas, Nevada. And so not only that, though, originally starting outpatient care, but I just kind of took a liking to being around other interprofessional and other disciplines versus being siloed in a PT clinic. And so that, that was probably like my initial introduction as a, a PT volunteer, then as a PT student at Duke, I had a great mentor and his name's Dan Dorr, who's developed many, many residencies there. And he just kind of took me under his wing and we had an acute care elective at Duke. And so again, like that was my next step. And then when I launched my career in San Diego, I landed in, a, again, an academic center where there's a lot of residents and, and teaching at Scripps Mercy Hospital, again, a level one trauma center where you could actually do rotations between acute and wound care and also outpatient practice as a new grad. And I took a liking to that and just ultimately, I mean, I've been there almost 30 years. So I must, you know, think as well as a mentor by great practitioners and also managers. And I would say in acute care who allow me to just thrive in the profession. So I, I'm indebted to them. I, I'm very grateful. I heard a rumor. I heard that you went into acute care because you were so motivated by Dr. Sujoy Bose. Was that, he was your roommate? <laughs> he said it was because of him and his influence on you and your roommate. That's what got you. I, I don't know if that's true or not. Can you, can you maybe give us the, the down low on, on that whole scenario? Sure, sure. So Sujoy, definitely I need to thank not only Sujoy, but Jim Smith, Patricia Taki, Sharon Gorman, uh, obviously, Brian Hall and Lori Parchman and Sujoy, who happened to be <laughs> my roommate at CSM conferences. And, you know, I think he's almost like my long lost brother from another mother, <laughs> because, you know, if you think about this, you know, I'm South Korean and he's Indian. And, you know, when we get together for conferences and even share a room together, I mean, that's where the real networking happens. Like, you know, at 1130 in our pajamas or you know, not only, you know, after CSM, but in our rooms and we're up till three in the morning, just talking about our past life experiences. 
So you're right. I think Sujoy got me not only loving acute care and thriving in it, but you know, I'm very grateful that to have these colleagues that we call friends in our academy. You're making me think I should start sharing a room at conferences. I tend to like want my own room so I can just like be away from my kids and solitude and quiet. <laughs> but now I'm like, maybe I should start sharing a room. It sounds really entertaining and awesome. Oh, 100% Ashley. I think Sujoy would love, and I would just say, I'll give up my share of the room corner there. <laughs> so don't worry. I mean, you know, this is where the real learning happens. And I hope, you know, you find somebody that you, you could either be a mentor or a mentee to. And sometimes that's when it's not just CSM, right? It's really about just kind of building our future together. Yeah. And I love having those deep conversations where you're just like, you know, talking about what could be or what might, and then you come up with these great ideas and develop research partnerships and other collaborations. It is really cool. I completely agree. Yeah, that's right. So, Alan, you know, something else I wanted to ask you about is that you've got uh, some dual specialty. You've got multiple acronyms after your name. Can you talk about that a little bit? And you also still practice, correct? I do. I do. That's I've been amazing. very fortunate at Scripps to where our, like I mentioned earlier, management and our leaders do value like your lifelong career. And I think that leads into the talk around excellence and Really, it's not just done alone, but I think, as I tell, I'm sure you guys interact with other, you know, new grads or students or even, you know, residents that, you know, you have to continuously grow. And the only way to do that is to not only find a mentor, but really get yourself to specialize into some areas of practice where you really, really, when you wake up in the morning, you don't mind going in, right? And really helping in many ways and roles. So, you know, been, been very fortunate. I loved older adults. So geriatrics was my first board certification. And then from there led into my areas of practice, including wound management and wound care. And so been cert certified in both of those areas. And, you know, I continuously try to kind of up the game. So, you know, I know ABPTS has a new wound management certification. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, to see and hear good news. But, you know, I continuously try to do this. And the students ask, why would you do that? I mean, and I feel awkward, too, because I'm the only, you know, 30 plus year old clinician, you know, sitting for a board of specialty. But yet I still believe that you still learn every day. And that includes making sure that you are providing competent care. And the one way to measure that is that you continuously test yourself. That's great. I'm a lifelong learner, right? I think I, I put a lot of value on that as well. I feel like I learn something new every day. Yeah. So I also wanted to touch on your involvement in the, the new Academy of Leadership and Innovation. I think you are the current director of the technology SIG. Is that correct? Right, and I know right. you you do yes. like this big Technicalooza technology thing. So can you tell us about like what stemmed this passion for technology? And, and is there a a latest and greatest tech tip you can give us and our listeners? Sure. The best thing is to go in there being very humble and naive, you know, and not being scared of tech, I guess. And, and then that's the best thing that I learned is that there are other academies that we kind of cross pollinate with, not just within our own acute care academy. But if you have a passion around tech, there's, like you said, Academy of Leadership and Innovation, who runs a Technopalooza, you know, it's like touch and feel and play playground during CSM that happens with different types of tech, including wearables, AI, 
telehealth, robotics, you know, so any tech you can think of where PTs can actually be involved in to improve patient management is there. So I've been really involved with them because of my interest in telehealth, but really, I mean, you know, anyone within our academy could look at other academies and try to work together. Like this podcast to me is a, another technology that our academy, academy is pushing out to our membership to not only, you know, build community, but trying to kind of give members another medium to kind of engage other memberships. So not to take any members away from acute care. I just want to let you know that you should just follow your passion. No, I think that's really important. I completely agree. I never thought about our podcast as a tech thing, but I guess it is. Oh, yes. <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. So, I mean, what was the big hit this year at CSM for Technicapalooza? Was there one thing that people were gravitating toward? You know, I, I happened to be there at Technoplus as it was ending. But, you know, the biggest thing was that we had this party with the purpose. And mm. our, our ALI put Technopalooza and the Global Health Reception together prior to this party with the purpose. And that, that party was not only to just have a bunch of PTs and PTAs and students partying, but it was really driven towards uh, providing community support. And so we fundraised with the proceedings to really kind of give our, you know, funds to some of the really needed resources for local communities. And one wave in San Diego are veterans who build surfboards, returning soldiers who might, you know, like to surf, but they might have some adaptive needs. So the ALI chose charity, while the other big funding organizations that included like ATI, they, they fundraised for their foundation, as well as the Academy of Geriatrics, they fundraised for their research as well. So that was the big hit. I think the Party with the Purpose 2.0 will be next year as well at CSM. So stay tuned. I know it kind of butts between many events, but if you can support some of the activities in other academies, as you do already, I think you would have a really good time. Alan, I missed out in San Diego. I was planning to go surfing. I've never surfed before, but that was like on the list to do. But weather-wise, it was just, it was not conducive to surfing. So hopefully, maybe in the future, I can get out to San Diego and and, and get some surfing in. With oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> you want to catch the wave for sure, but it's not going to happen in Boston in 24. Yeah. So we'll just have to wait a little bit longer. Yeah, no surfing in Boston. Now, Alan, I also want to ask you because you're a professor at Mount St. Mary's University in their DPT program. What are you doing in terms of, talk, when we talk about telehealth and excellence with the students, what are those lessons look like? And what are those conversations you have with your DPT students to kind of help them to kind of consider innovation and, and really practicing at the type of their license eventually and, and pushing for excellence? Right. So, you know, the best way to put it to a student in terms of like, looking at innovation is what they have seen and then where do you see yourself in the future? So, you know, how would they role model and then how would they in the clinic, well, you know, what, what kind of experiences they had. So you don't want to throw these things out there and they have, they have really great foundation and evidence and looking through the evidence. So making sure that they understand the research and then from there building on their past experiences and their interests is important. So even with wound care class, we take wound photos, but we talk about, 
you know, security is very important, right? HIPAA compliance for your patients and data security and privacy. So we talk around that as well. And they, they get some simulations where they get to interview potential patient interviews where they could watch their own interview through the screen to provide them with some of that simulated experience, what they would do with telehealth. And then case studies where they actually, you know, are given case studies in ortho or neuro or even in wound care, where they have to think about, well, if you can't touch the patient, how would you interact with this person? And I think most of us in during the past three years in academy have had potential opportunities or had to do it this way, even with clinical education, that I think we're just open to the idea, but now we have to think about standardizing it and making sure they're getting the best experience and peppering it in many different coursework. And that includes DEI. I mean, what's important about DEI is like, again, being aware of it, understanding what DEI is for your institution or your, within your organization, really, you know, thinking about like, are you compliant within your organization about their mission and values? Are you sustaining it or are you being very tactical? And then eventually like moving the needle further, regardless of where your baseline is. It's a great point you bring up about telehealth in the curriculum, because I feel like when a student can't put their hands on a patient, it really tests their communication, right? Like in their mm -hmm. ability to give directions. And speaking of communications, I'm going to make a very awkward transition here. Singing is another form of communication. And I think your mom was a singer. Can you tell us more about this? Because I find it fascinating and I think our listeners will too. Sure. So some of my personal, as well as we've been here, my professional journey and, you know, actually Kim Nixon Cave at the 2022 NIDAC Summit in Ohio State said, stories of individuals to understand and build community is, is where you really, I think, you know, we learn about each other, right? And so our, my students know in my personal story is that my mother was a Korean K-pop singer in the 1960s. And I immigrated with my family in 1977. And so my mom was a duet singer and my dad who happened to not able to sing because you know, he tried <laughs> and he couldn't, uh, he was her manager. And so he managed her band and, and also her duet group called Arirang Sisters. So I can't play the music for you because obviously there's probably some copyright laws right here. But if you find me at conference, I'll just play some of my mom's music for you as well. But that's my personal journey. Really, you know, I really are indebted to like most of us who are an immigrants to this country that we've had a great as well as wonderful personal and professional um, people around us who supported us through our you know, careers, but also through our early development. Well, thank you for sharing that personal story with us. I just think it's the coolest story and I'm totally Google stalking your mom after <laughs> this conversation. And now a quick announcement from APTA Acute Care. Do you know someone that is making a difference within acute care physical therapy? Please check out our awards page. We would like to recognize and illuminate the practice of more deserving colleagues and celebrate the great services they provide. To honor the various contributions, APT Acute Care has five awards. The Mary Sinod Award for Clinical Excellence in Acute Care. The James Dunleavy Distinguished Service Award. The Judy Euler Fellowship Award. The Lecture Award. And the Katherine Harris Educator Award. These awards are the highest honor APT Acute Care can bestow in recognition of excellence 
and are awarded at CSM annually during the membership meeting. APTAQ Care members, and in some instances non-members, are encouraged to nominate deserving individuals for these awards. To view the nomination forms and descriptions of award criteria and supporting documentation, visit the links below. Nominations are accepted until October 30th, 2023. And now, back to the show. I think it's time for our rapid response round, right, Leo? Absolutely. It's time. All right. Do you want to explain while I get the timer ready? Yes, Alan. So this is time for rapid responses. Essentially, we're going to hit you with some quick questions, and we're looking for you to come up with quick responses. So don't dwell on them too much. It's the first thing that pops to your head. Just go ahead and give us an answer. You ready, Alan? All right, let's do it. All right, Leo, you want to take the first question? Sure, absolutely. All, All right. right. Let's go. get started. Alan, are you more of an Apple person or Android? Oh, Apple. Apple. Are you a morning person or a night owl? I'm a morning person. What's better, summer or winter? I'm in San Diego, summer. <laughs> <laughs> New York style pizza or Chicago style pizza? Oh, that's a tough one. I love both, but I must say Chicago is one place that I love to ah, Okay, okay. Dish. <laughs> and the baseball team. That's one field I've not been to. So which one that for the Saints? Uh, the Wrigley. Yeah. Wrigley, Wrigley. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. If you had a lightsaber, here's a tech tech question. What color would your lightsaber be? Dark blue. Dark blue. Awesome. Let's see how similar to Leo you are. Dad jokes. Yes or no? Yes or no? <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah. tell dad jokes or do you not tell oh, dad jokes? Nah, I mess them up. So I'm not a big <laughs> I guess I'm a maybe. I try. That's fair. For example, like one joke will be something like, hey, do you guys, you guys, you run marathons? I'm like, yeah, I do on Netflix. That's, <laughs> That's good. I like it. If you could be an animal, what type of animal would you be? I'd be like a koala bear. Very cool. If you could win one award other than the acute care one, what would it be? Nobel Prize, Oscar, or a gold medal? Oh, I kind of missed that. But something about gold medal, you said? Nobel Peace Prize, uh -huh. an Oscar award, uh -huh. or an Olympic gold medal. Uh, I got to go with the Oscar, you know, for my mom. <laughs> And, and then our last question that we always ask everybody, you know you work in acute care when, fill in the blank. When your gloves rip because you're trying to help a patient move a little further up in bed or you're just getting in there. <laughs> oh, and you may have a second pair of gloves on underneath that top one, right? Like they're rips. <laughs> you sure hope so. You're going to go wash your hands more than 15 seconds. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Now, speaking about working in acute care, I wanted to ask you, because you, you shared with us one of your fondest memories working in acute care, where somebody was on the phone and you were talking about hanging out in your PJs with Sue Joy and having these late night conversations. Can you share that story with us about one of, sure. your, one of your more favorite experiences working in acute care? Sure. This is not anything around telehealth or DEI <laughs> or even excellence, but maybe perhaps. So my Tech and I, we were, so I had to tell the story because I, you know, there was a witness, right? So the tech and I, we went to go see this elderly older woman and she's on the telephone. And this is old days, it's a real, real wire telephone. And she, 
she's looking at me and she's looking at the tech and then you know we're kind of waiting for her to finish her conversation and we're waiting and waiting and, and obviously i must look impatient because she goes oh honey wait a minute i'm gonna might have to go because there's a little boy in pajamas waiting for me to speak to me <laughs> and then i looked at the tech and he looked at me and I looked at my scrubs and I said, oh, it must be time for me to get some new scrubs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's hysterical. I love that story. <laughs> the things patients say that cracks there's never a dull moment in the QKPT. And if I remember correctly, that was like a really nice, uh, warm experience with that patient because she definitely needed an assistant too. But yet she just went through it and, and just made us chuckle the whole time working together. So I think as you and I and Ashley know, the reason why we work with our patients in acute care is, yeah, it is very serious, very critical at times, but we do get enjoyment from our patients and clients and vice versa. So I just want to thank all the Academy members for just continuing and thriving through this pandemic and, you know, past pandemic. Oh, what a great point. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's put in so much hard work. It's yeah. Thank you to everyone. Alan, if our listeners want to find you, where can they find you? Do you have a Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook you want to share? Sure. Let's start with Twitter. It's at, at Alan, A-L-A-N, Lee, L-E-E-D-P-T. And I mean, if people do use like things like email, it's you can find me at Mount St. Mary's University. So it's A-L-L-E-E at msmu.edu and those probably are the two areas where if you get hold of me i'll definitely respond but if i can't answer your question i will definitely connect you to people like ashley and leo and some of our fabulous people in our academy well thank you so much for joining us today it was great to have you and congrats again on your award i'm just very grateful and i do want to kind of shout out our 14th awardee which is dr jason bobby and I know you guys all need to be there and, and cheer on Jason, because I think we're going to hear some wonderful, wonderful, not only the lecture, but his personal and professional stories. So I'm really excited. Can't wait to see all of you at CSM 24. Agree. And if Jason, if you're out there listening, an early congrats to you as well. Thank you, Alan. Thanks for sharing our time here and having these great conversations, sharing that with us today. Definitely. I'm grateful. Thank you, Leo. Thank you, Ashley. We would like to thank Alan for joining us today. His lecture will be included in an upcoming Journal of Acute Care PT issue. Acute Conversations is the official podcast of APT Acute Care. It is hosted by Leo Argulis and Ashley Poole. Executive produced by Katie Brito and Edward Mathis. Music by Alexia Action from Pixabay. Sound effects also from Pixabay. For more information about APT Acute Care, please go to our newly updated website, aptacutecare.org and be sure to check out our show notes for links and resources from the academy if you found value from our podcast please be sure to subscribe follow and share with your friends and colleagues join us in two weeks for a conversation with daniel dale where we'll talk about his research in simulation based learning thank you for listening and may your shoes and scrubs stay clean today To have deep, acute conversations. Oh, acute. Look at that little play on words. I like it.